0: What is up guys we are back with another episode of peace love and meet podcast first and foremost just a huge thank you to everyone that has gotten involved you know likes comments um, if you've checked out the website and joined the membership or purchased any of the items there just really really appreciate it a big shout out to board primitive uh for all the help that they've done for me and ross personally but then forwarding things to you guys and selway archery Kind yeah. of the mainstays and um, that leads us right into you know this episode but before we do that just to give you some some field notes what we're going to do here uh, we are going to do ross is going to do an individual winter strong breakdown i'm going to do an individual winter strong breakdown in the field notes sections for our members that's going to drop sooner than later probably within the next few days um and then next week we will do a full winter strong breakdown but today most important thing is the bow giveaway. And, you know, we want to start that off. First and foremost, uh just thank Ray Fletcher at riverbren Longbows. He is going to be making an ASL. It is uh, American semi-long bow, um, uh, the Howard Hill style bow. What what really made um the American Bowman kind of an icon, honestly, was Howard Hill, Fred Bear. I mean, and there's so many more, but uh, this is a true piece of American history as far as What this bow represents to archery, and he was gracious enough to just jump on board right away. We've got a Selway quiver from Drew. I have a pretty cool idea for that, but also, you know, we're open to hearing what you might want on that custom arrows built by me. We've got the Teton Leather Company, and we might we might go into this a little bit, but this is an extremely um, special, rare leather, Um, and I'll kind of give a caveat that I'll. Go into detail on them here in a few minutes, but, um, they also, um, Francesca also made a black, not black rifle coffee, but a black <laughs> rifle sling. Cause I had yep. somebody ask me if it was a black rifle coffee sling.
1: Yeah. It's actually
0: a true, it's a true rifle sling made out of Amer- like, uh, amazing black leather. I will find out the species on that, but, um, we've also got some Sornex hats. Uh I'm pretty sure I'm gonna get a couple of hats and shirts from Kafaru as well. Uh, I'm missing something. What standing else? Wolf. Oh AAE. AAE. uh is gonna help me with those arrows. They're gonna provide the wraps, the knocks, the fletchings, and then uh standing wolf, my buddy Ron, he's like he's just a small business, loves archery, loves traditional archery, and he makes tabs from um uh, from leathers that are native to his tribe. And they're they're sewn with sinew they're just they're really really cool and he's got he's got a great podcast um just all these people did you say safari tough oh sorry about that safari tough i get i get excited about each one of these people i know there's so many rad ones (laughs) (laughs) but standing wolf archery is just a really cool guy that um i bought one of his tabs before i ever knew anything about traditional archery used it, loved it, and then he just started asking me to test some of his tabs and his designs and just really, really had a good relationship with him. Uh, got to meet Danny and Randy Cooling. Randy Cooling is the owner of uh, Safari Tough. He's a legendary uh, traditional archery hunter. Uh, he's, he's been successful on some amazing animals. He took a polar bear, either in 22 or 21, just to give you a, a kind of, the kind of imagination of the caliber of this hunter. But he owns Safari Tough, and uh, we're going to get a duffel bag from them. And that'll just make traveling around with your bow and going and yep. places a little bit easier. But um, they're just just all great people. Like, that's the cool thing about the, the traditional side that I have seen. You know, I've been to the Kalamazoo Expo. I've been to ETAR, which is the Eastern Traditional Archery Rendezvous. And there is no industry. Like, yeah. the industry is small family businesses like there's no collective industry that's like swaying opinion or swaying people one way or the other it's not a bunch of
2: multi-million dollar giant corporations running stuff
0: no and i mean most of these people just want to have a service or make a product so that they can continue their passion of bow hunting with with traditional archery and i mean that's that's pretty damn cool to me so this prize package is super, super special to me as far as these are not just people. Yeah. These are people that I've shook their hand, I've looked in their face, know them uh, through their product, know them through their company, and know them personally. And I cannot speak ill of any of them. They're just generous in ways that, that most people don't even understand because you take a Walmart and they give somebody a $1,000 gift prize, that's nothing. I mean, they make a $1,000 a minute. Yep. But you think about a guy that might sell – you know, I don't know how many tabs Rod sells a month, but it's, let's just say it's 30 tabs a month. He's giving you a day of his business yeah. in, in, in a free product. And that's just that kind of stuff to me, it, it means so much. And I've always wanted to highlight that those kind of people and those kind of businesses through Peace, Love, and Meat. And uh, this is a great way to do it. So, quick breakdown on how to, to really go about it. Yep. Um, I think we said if you buy a mug, get three entries. You buy a shirt, you get five entries. Yep. If you, if you, uh, shit, I can't even remember all of it. But I'll We got go the membership
2: ones to- as well. Like membership entry, like last, last month. Uh, if you yeah, do, yeah, yeah. it's, it's going to be one entry per $10 a membership, just like last month. So if you do the boar, it's going to be one entry, if you, which is the $10 one. If you do the buck, which is the $20 a month one, it's going to be two entries. And if you do the bison, the, the $50 a month, it's going to be five. And then um, the big one for this Brandy. one that we really wanted to put some... <laughs> yeah the the big the big entry method for this one that we really wanted to to get into was the podcast review uh because that's going to be something that actually you know a lot of people say on those podcasts on on all podcasts you know like leave a review leave a review whatever it really does help when it's becoming searchable And it becomes put on like the main pages of stuff in people's feeds. And it just helps it be seen more like, you know, in the podcast algorithms in the same way that stuff on Instagram or Twitter or Facebook, or whatever, those algorithms have their own methods and and actual written reviews on Apple podcasts do like quite a bit of stuff. So for this one, because it's not as simple as like we're able to just see who does reviews uh, on our end of things, what, you, you'll need to do is if you go into Apple Podcast, has to be Apple Podcast because that's the one where you do the written review. Um, write a review, send it in, and you'll get like a verification that your review has been posted. Screenshot that and email it to peace, love, and meet at gmail.com. That way, we know that it's you that did it because everybody's Apple ID names on reviews are like it's never anybody's actual names. So we want to make sure that we're attributing the proper amount of entries for the correct person. And so if, yeah, if you just screenshot it when you get your verification and email it to us, that way we know this is yours and we'll make sure that you get the number of entries. And if we can do, I, w- I had this idea that I'm going to actually kind of work out live with you right now. If we get to a certain number and I have yet to decide what that number is, um, maybe we can do something extra for for everybody and they are like throw something extra cool in there or do something extra for them if we get to say like 75 reviews or something like that in the yeah. next couple of weeks. so. Um, I got a couple yeah. ideas on some stuff that we could do, but I, I we really just wanted to kind of push the podcast reviews for this one. So just because it really does help, and we're trying to now that we're taking this thing, I would say a little bit more seriously than we have in the past, even just from the last couple of months, like we're trying to fire on all cylinders with all this, and the podcast is obviously like one of the main channels for that. So that's all how that's gonna roll down.
0: yep yeah. yeah, and and like always, I mean, and just to be transparent, which we like to be, as these things go, there will be—I'm sure there will be another company or two, maybe more, but at least one or two that will be like, "Hey, yeah. I've got this for you. I'd love to give it." So yeah. that's kind of why there was a little bit of that um, at the end of the at the end of the last giveaway. I was like, "I'm just trying to secure these things, trying to make sure yeah. everybody's on board." And make, but there are people that want to give and and support us. So this could only grow it's never going to retract so if something else cool comes along um we'll add that too and we'll make mention of it just so you're aware Mm -hmm. but i'm certain that it will be bigger than the original list because every giveaway i've ever done (laughs) always always continues to yeah there's always a continuance of growth so um i just want to encourage people to do it i mean i really want people to enjoy and love traditional archery not because i love it but because it's just something that is very very different than the compound and I, even even as similar as they are it's different yeah um it it, totally. it demands a, it demands a little more commitment it demands a little more patience but once you get it down i promise you the reason that guys stick with it and never go back will be clear yeah um i i'm not that guy like i will always have something that I hunt with my compound just to stay fresh with my skill set. Yep. Same as a rifle. I'll gladly hunt something with a rifle or a shotgun. Um, I'm just a hunter, but man, does it not check a lot of boxes and a lot more boxes than the others when I hunt traditional? It's yeah. just um it's just a really, really awesome thing. And um I was, I was talking to Tyler Minton about this the other day. Because yep. he's, you know, he's he's got his grandfather's bow. He's very committed to using it and being successful on a hunt with that. And, um, I just, you know, I just think it's awesome that that's one side of the story. And then there's like the heavy metal version where like, like, me, I just wanted to find another way to kill more animals, you know? And like, <laughs> right. not that, not that that is like bloodlust, right. but I had already gotten to a point with my compound where, and again, I'm not Levi Morgan, I'm not Cam Haynes. But there was, you know, when you're hunting a white-tailed deer and they come 20 yards or closer with your compound, if you're not automatic with that, I would discourage you from even hunting at all. Things can happen. Yeah. But it became that, it kind of became that almost automatic feeling like, I know I'm going to hit this. And with the trad bow, even as successful as I've been shooting, even as successful as I've been hunting, there's a real, uh, you know, like a real pucker factor When it's time to draw, like you've got to have yourself and your your bow and everything kind of just leveled so that you can make the most of it. But I think it's going to be a great gift for somebody. I really do think if you're open to it, it can change everything for you as a hunter. Um, That's what it's done for me. And I don't I don't say or take that lightly at all.
2: So and like you well, said, I mean, you know, you know the yeah. same. I mean, yeah. Well, yeah. What I was going to say too, in agree in a, in agreement with you, when you talk about the community aspect of it, which we've talked about dozens of times, and that's what we wanted to highlight with this giveaway, and even the next one too, where we're doing the recurve. But um, it was one, and I and I'll do this without getting too much into the winter strong stuff. But it was just something yeah, yeah. that made me think of it uh, because we were just there a couple of days ago, and uh, there was the handful of us that were the trad crew that were there yep. there was i don't know like seven or so of us and yeah, there was,
0: i think there was 10 there was 10? nine in the picture and i think there were 10 or 11 bows represented okay okay so guys.
2: yeah there was there was around a dozen or so and uh out of i don't know i mean 40 or so i mean it was probably a little a quarter or so of the total bow bow hunters and archers that were there maybe even less of a percentage than that which probably is even more than that proportion. When you think of most like conventions or whatever with archery, like the trad representatives are even smaller percentage than what we had representing in this, but it was the, it was just a cool experience to have all of those guys together shooting together, going through walking the core. We did what we walked the course on Friday and shot together a handful of us. And Yep. It was always like, Oh, there's there's the trad guys, you know, there's the stick yeah. there's the stick bows. Like it it was just kind of cool to like be like, you know, yep, yep, there we are.
1: <laughs> you know what I well,
0: mean? Well, and, and and the thing about it is I've never and again, like at the highest level of a Levi Morgan, like he is the epitome of compound yeah. hunter that I know. Yeah. Um he's the best archer in the world, the highest level Literally. hunter I've ever that I personally know in a compound sense. And I am not taking anything away from a guy like that. I'm not, but I am, I am challenging. I'm not taking away, but challenging guys who are below that level. And that is everyone else, everyone to, yeah. to really dedicate to the craft of it. And who, who the fuck am I to tell somebody to dedicate to a craft? I mean, some people just want to go out and say they hunt and get some meat, yeah. get some antlers. And that's, that's part of it, unfortunately. But for me, man, I just want people to love it the way that I do because it has given yeah. my life so much. I mean, from the, the discipline of practice to the the investment for hunting and the time and getting your gear right and getting your shot down and all those things. It just really, I don't know, man. I, I've been kind of on a, and this is not where I wanted to go, but it is also <laughs> exactly where I've been. Um, the last few days. So met a guy up in Kalamazoo named Jim Mack And, uh, yeah. he's an old school, he's an old school boat hunter, just like the coolest dude ever. Um, hunted a lot of stuff. I think he said he's been to Alaska over 30 times. Wow. And, um, the cool, the cool thing about him, you know, I don't, I don't know him inside now, but he's been very cool to me. Um, it just seems like he's a blue collar guy went to work every day and figured out how to build his life around hunting and taking care of a family and stuff. and that, that to me is what it is all about. Like the rest of it mm. is just show and go. But when you when you get down to brass tacks, that's truly the beauty of it. I want to hunt, I want to take care of my family, and I want to be a good man. And the yep. ethics around those three things are what drive me now. You know, like I, I want yeah. to be the best version of myself. And um, I just didn't, I didn't have that click until I found the trad bow. And, you know a lot of people probably you know shrug their shoulders or like scoff at that but it's a personal thing man it's a it's a very intimate thing and and i think the the trad bow is a martial art yeah it is unlike the compound which is a technical skill i believe the the traditional bow is a technical skill as well as a martial art and uh yeah i'm just excited to get somebody a bow and Mm -hmm. furthermore we talked to AJ, um, he lives in Pennsylvania. So my favorite tack, which is a total archery challenge is in Pennsylvania. It's one, well, I won't say it's my favorite. It's one of the top two or three. And, um, it's, it's always fun. So I invited him out to that to shoot with me. I'm going to put a, get, put a group together. Uh, um, and AJ so was the one who won
2: the last month's giveaway yeah. for the compound bow. And that Correct. was a part of that. Yeah.
0: Yep. Yep. So, same kind of deal. I'm, I'm going to go ahead and throw two more things on the list while we're here. One, I'm going to get you a membership, a year membership to the uh, Compton Traditional Hunters Association. Yes, and, yes. Um, you know, it's a nationwide club. There's a lot of benefit to it. You get a patch. Um, you get some newsletters and whatnot. And it just will fully immerse you in the culture right away. And, it, you know, you think about $3 a month to keep a traditional – tradition not just the tradition of archery yeah. but traditional right. tradition right alive that's what these clubs are about and beyond that if uh if it suits your schedule talk to me once you get the bow whoever it is and uh, i can't get you to etar but if you can make it to etar i'll get you in the door and uh you can hang with hang with the crew that i run with which is pretty much i, I don't know how i'm so lucky but Pretty much royalty in the, yeah. uh, the the recurve and traditional world. I get to get to hang out with some really great people. Drew at Selway has extended so many just awesome opportunities to me from being able to get behind that closed door of of like some. I mean, like Tom Clum will be there. Yep. Um, Drew and like the uh, Ian that's Drew's brother. Yep. Um, Nick Kravoniak, I mean, these are these are guys. The push guys will be there. So. All of those guys will be in and around. But the coolest thing about Etar is you'll see, you'll, you will see some dude that's 72 years old still shooting a bow that was made in like 1960 that his dad gave him <laughs> using the same broadheads that he that he got in 1973 at 12 years old or something. Like whatever yeah. it is, there's just a lot of that stuff. And that has it's killed 50, 50
2: animals with it.
0: Oh, 50 animals a day. That's probably yeah. <laughs> that's how they used to do it back then now but these guys are just they're just a different cut of cloth a little bit slower pace and a little different view on hunting and and again not taking anything away from the industry and the compound side because i loved it i've lived it but you know as i get a little bit older i I enjoy the stories and cherish those conversations with people who've just stuck with it you know that's that's all it is it's not like they're amazing bow hunters because they're they're better They've just done it so long and never wavered. That to me is badass. Yeah. So,
2: for sure. I think that's all of it of for the giveaway. I think we've I think we've got everything covered as far as that's concerned. Um, we'll run it until the end of this month, since it's a short month. We'll go all the way to the 29th with it, and then it is uh, a leap year, that's folks. A, it yeah. is a leap year. We get the extra day, so one one extra day to make sure you enter and then uh we'll do we'll we'll compile and do all the same the same exact way we did the last drawing with it um raffle ticket style i'll do it uh that weekend and we'll announce and get everything taken care of then and then in march we got the recurve one so we'll have more stuff to give away in that one and different different products different companies maybe some of the same with this one just depending on if they're down but uh we want to try and highlight as many awesome people as we can i met francesca this weekend uh yeah without realizing that she's only a, a few hours away from me here in Idaho. Uh, <laughs> yeah. and so she, and she's like, we were literally, there's only that whole weekend. She might've been the only oh, and Rob English. There was only three of us yep. that yep. were like Idaho people that whole weekend that were there. So yep. as soon as you find some, it, it's a weird thing when you go down to the South and people are like, Oh, people actually live up there. And then you run into someone yeah. and you're like, I'm going to make sure we talk this weekend. Cause you're my people, you know? Yeah. <laughs>
0: Well, you know, and I've known Rob for a long time, um, since he was up in Connecticut and just to kind of see his life transition, uh, from, from one speed to another and then moving across country and really just kind of diving headfirst into, you know, you know I guess he, I don't want to call it excavating cause that's not what he's doing, but like, he's just doing uh, a lot of cool stuff. with like, it's not, it's like snow removal and that kind of stuff. Um, and he's just, he's running with it and, And building a
2: killer gym, too.
0: Yeah, and dude, with all, like, reclaimed wood from that area and whatnot. So, but but back to Francesca, um, she did some stuff for Montana Knife Company. Yeah. And uh, really, really cool customs, really amazing leather work. And all of her work is with unique leathers and so on and so forth. So, yeah, let's just break that down. So, I guess a little bit of conservation and, you know people look at that word and they think we're conserving this animal, but you really have to understand the dynamic of conservation is because here's, here's the the simplest truth that I know animals are not selfish assholes like people. So if a, if a herd gets too large, let's imagine that there's enough feed on the ground and I'm talking natural feed, like grasses and vegetation and whatnot, if that gets out of balance to where there's 10 more deer than there should be for that vegetation lot, what's going to happen is that 10 deer won't die. The entire herd will starve. Right. And that is the balance point of nature that humans have bastardized. So when you think about it, the state, every single state understands the allotment of animals. That, that need to be killed either through biological process, which is they take helicopters up and they individually count them or they do surveys. And the number one determinant is uh, collisions on the highway. The, the yeah. insurance groups actually report to the state how many collisions occurred. And there's an algorithm that says when the herd gets too big, there's more collisions. So we need more tags. In the same way, this applies around the world. So what we have here is an elephant Shell for the wallet and a kangaroo belly for the inside. Mm-hmm. Now, before anybody freaks the fuck out because it's an <laughs> elephant, <laughs> what you need to understand so that we could have this, so that Francesca could make this, the amount of stipulations, hurdles, laws, yeah. bylaws, everything had to be followed so that this animal was not just killed for the ivory or the mount. This is a true tip to tail yep. reclamation. The meat went to the local villagers, like it always does in Africa. Yep. I'm sure the ivory went to the hunter, unless it was killed by the outfitter. I don't know that much, but I will say there is no way that I would be possessing an elephant skin by anything other than the most, utmost stringent adherence to yeah. conservation laws. Yeah. And what totally. happens is you get an aggressive old bull that walks into the, into the pride and sees, okay, here's another, here's another young bull and he may prevent the young bull from passing on his seed yep. while not, not being a breeding male himself. Right. So now instead of the younger bull being able to breed or the older bull pushing him away and breeding himself, we have no breedings. Yep. So once that's determined that a bull has become aggressive, He's not, he's no longer breeding. He's no longer serving the health of the pride. He's actually, or the herd, I I shouldn't say pride, the herd. Yeah. He is He's no longer benefiting the herd. He's actually taking away from it. That bull becomes an eligible kill. Now, if that offends, if that bothers, I'll go as long as you want to have a a decent, respectful conversation about that personally. I'll talk to anybody about it because it's important. I sat on the board of Blood Origins. I saw the work, the money. The the way that things are done ethically, the anti-poaching acts that we've instilled and and benefited. So I've hunted Africa. I saw a poached rhino when I was on the ground. And it is so simple to fund these anti-poachers. $5,000 a year will will pay an anti-poaching unit to keep those rhinos safe, to keep those elephants safe. And we're also going to do some i haven't even told you this but we're going to do something for that through peter at south buck africa where i hunted Mm. we're going to try to throughout the course of the year do a couple things and send him at least enough to cover one uh anti-poaching hunter and um those guys are amazing they they literally know the rhinos by their pads like oh it's this one by the pad and uh yep to me this is the most beneficial thing that you can do with an animal instead on the ground, because if not the skin and hide will go to waste. The, the vultures will eat it. Yes. So this is a way to memorialize and, and benefit the use of every single piece of this animal. And, um, Francesca and, just knocked and it out and of with that.
1: She did.
2: And it's awesome. It's the coolest looking Friggin' jealous that we have to give it away to somebody, but uh, I know, I'm
1: so mad with,
2: <laughs> with with that. There is some. Do you, are you aware of whatever the stipulations are? Because you had mentioned something as far as obviously California, go figure, and then Canada. There was some form of stipulation where I'm not sure what we'll have to do if somebody wins who's from California or well, Canada. But I the think there might be something we have to do.
0: Well, if if the winner does end up being from California or Canada. Um, I'm not above working with that person to make sure that they get everything that they want. It might just have to be some subversive tactics and a quiet set of lips (laughs) once you get it. Um, but anyway, we just want to do this right. We want to play by the rules. We want to make sure that everything that we do extends the love and care that the hunter, the outfitter, all the people involved to get that animal over here and Francesca's handiwork is not undone by our overlooking some bylaw (sighs) subsection, wherever. But yeah, California and Canada are pretty stupid um, for their their anti-hunting shit because literally, if you look at the mountain lion situation in California, it's devastating what they're doing out there because they're overrunning. You look at Canada, hey, let's stop killing grizzly bears. Well, guess what? Elk, mule deer, moose, all those populations are down. Because somebody yep. thinks every grizzly bear is blue from jungle. Yeah, Bull, you know? exactly. No, these things are fucking face eating savages. Yeah. And uh, it's not like I want them to go away. But I do think that California and Canada got a little bit woke. Um, well, not a little bit. They went off the fucking
2: deep end. <laughs> A little bit.
0: But uh, nevertheless, huge, amazing, awesome, super personalized giveaway. Like all of these people really are badass. Great people yeah. that they're just trying to make a living. So, any light that we can shed, even if you don't win this thing, if they have a t shirt, buy a t shirt. If they have a keychain, buy a keychain. Yeah. These are the kind of people that we want to support and yep. really hope that our people support them too.
2: And I don't doubt that that'll be the case because people that support us are pretty awesome and we'll extend that it's, out usually.
0: It's kind of wild. I, I, I told you this, but man, one of the coolest things is when you see somebody that's purchased something from you that you know them well and you yeah. know that they're, that they're in your corner Yep. and then they still buy something because there's so many people that just don't. I mean, it's an old saying like you'll make friends from your customers before you'll make customers out of your friends, yep. you know? And that's, that's a very real thing. And I'm not pointing the finger at anybody. It's just a thank you to the people that surprised me and they know who they are. I told them when yeah. I saw their name pop up, it was just like, man, Yep. What? That is awesome, and so Damn. for all of that, but every, everyone else too. Thank you very much.
2: And the cool thing too uh, is even if it's something that not purchasing from us for, and I'm just going to use us as an example. Purchasing something from us is one thing, but even if it's something that we, which we're we're trying to do with these giveaways, introduce other awesome brands and companies and makers and whatever to the people that follow us, and then seeing those people go out and buy all that stuff. Like I, I, I was actually maybe a little blown away would be the word at how much born primitive stuff was being worn this weekend at winter strong. Like I was yeah. shocked at how much there was and which is awesome. Yeah. And I, and I had, I had several people come up and tell me that was like, dude, I, we, I literally bought this cause you guys kept talking about it so much. Like there was several yeah. of those instances, which was just super cool
0: yeah well and that's the thing i mean you see a small company in the outdoor space especially um, you get into the camo versus solids conversation a lot and that's really it was a division line because born primitive was like hey we're not we're just not going to do a camo for a while if ever yeah um we want you to be able to spend you know get a great pair of pants that you can wear year-round but are specifically made for hunting and dude they've just done it like everything that they put out is so good Everybody that I know that has used it has had positives. And like you said, when you walk into a place, I mean, I don't want to pat myself on the back for any of this because it's really not me. It's, you know, Aaron and those guys at Born Primitive, they're, yeah. they're the high flyers. But like you said, I did have people say, man, I bought this because of your recommendation or I heard of this yeah. because of you. Yep. Thank you to those people. But, you know, just – that coupled with the fact that um you know the the tradbo side of things at winter strong has just every year there's a couple new people showing up on yeah, the stick. Cool. and um i just think it's a i don't have to question who that person is when i see them with the trad bow.
2: you know right. what I mean? like,
0: you, already, you already got a good idea i
2: know what type of person you are
0: <laughs> well if you look at that crew in that picture i mean it's just a really legit lineup of people that that yeah. bring a lot of positivity forward. I mean, again, I'm, I'm sitting here sounding like it's a circle jerk of happiness, but it <laughs> it really is, man. Because it's like there's so many people that just don't know. I, like I didn't know how great it could be, how fun it could be, how challenging it could be, and rewarding. Yeah. yeah. And when you, when you start to see other guys that are like on that road, you're just like, okay, I'm gonna keep going because they're in. But also, it's just, I don't know, it's a cyclical thing. Like, I'm motivated by others that are picking it up, and then I'm also motivated by myself, you know, to do better. So I'm just excited all the way around to be able to do this. And and, and we do have a fourth bow for the giveaway, but that's going to be a little oh. bit later. But Look we at we us gotta, just uh, having
2: we, production meetings on a live recording. Like, this is what we do.
0: I'm finding out do. all
2: this stuff just as soon as you guys, like, just at the same <laughs> time as everybody else is.
0: But we got another bow and a custom knife uh, already put up for a fourth giveaway. And uh, they kind of requested to do this in tandem. So we do have another bow coming later in the year. But we're going to take a little break on the giveaways after March. But um, I guess we can shift gears now and ask the major question. Is like, Do we get a break from the Swift era?
2: I was just going to ask, are you sick of the Chiefs yet?
0: I was sick of the Chiefs before Taylor Swift was even born. But. Um, <laughs> <laughs>
2: Back when Priest Holmes was playing.
0: <laughs> yeah, dude. Christian Okoye. When Christian Okoye yeah. was playing. <laughs> uh, but regardless. Yeah. Uh, oh, man. I wrestled with the NFL this year because I really, I really did kind of have a setback whenever they started playing the pandering game to a lot of, a lot of stuff. And. Yeah. uh Yeah i just I just kind of tuned it out, but like so many people, that slow lull comes back, and you know I'm a matchups guy um I'll watch one game a week or maybe have one or two games that, like a three thirty game and a seven o'clock game that I watch yeah, but I will say top to bottom with the Detroit Lions story, which I love their story this year awesome. i love their co- I love their coach um and even even at the end the forty ers uh christian um what's his name christian McCaffrey, McCaffrey. and uh Brock Purdy, like their whole team is cool too, but those storylines kind of intrigued me more than the football. Yeah, but man, I uh, I don't know. I I like the Kelsey brothers podcast. Like they're good dudes, but man, the the stuff with Taylor Swift and Kelsey on the field and yeah, I, I I'm just glad that that's over. And I'm sure if they're still together and he comes back, which I think he'll retire. Um, I think so it'll too. be a it'll be. Why would you, you not? Like how long has he been in the league? Like 16, 17 years?
2: Uh, Travis Where, is 30. No, Travis like, is 34. So this is like year 13 or something for him.
0: 13. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I knew, I knew it was up there. Um, yeah.
2: Which is a long really freaking was. time for a tight end. Like that. I mean, I that's do. a long time for anybody in the league. But to take that kind of, you know, that position specifically, just how physical that one, that singular position is. That's impressive to be that good for that long. And he literally yeah, yeah. is. like he's, he's in the conversation for like one of the maybe two or three best ever to play that position, yeah.
0: which is, is wild. He's, just, he's a dog, for sure. And like his brother was, too. Uh, i got to give a caveat, a little, little spinoff shout-out to uh, Luke Stocker. He went to my high school. He was a year or so behind me, but he ended up going to Tennessee to play football in college and made it to the pros. Played 10 or 11 years and uh, played for the Buccaneers, played for a couple other teams, but uh, they just retired him to the Pro Football Hall of Fame for the state of Kentucky. Oh heck yeah, uh, yeah. So I don't think he had um, like National Football Hall of Fame numbers, but that takes into account his entire career, college right. football or high school football, Everything. college football, and pros as a Kentucky resident. So that's cool, you know. And and you know, seeing his talent level in high school, where if you're an NFL future talent in high school, you're the, you're the man, and that's what he was. And to think that there are guys no offense to Luke, but that there are guys that are echelons better than that. Right. Like a Kelsey. It's just incredible when you see how good someone can be and they're just they're just a really good player, not like at that next level.
2: Every single video that comes out. Um I, I it's funny how I have the inverse reaction to the two brothers. Like every single one with Travis, I'm like, all right, dude, we get it. We know the, we know the style you're going for, whatever. But my favorite one was like the ones going the other day, going to the after party. And there's this video of Travis and Taylor Swift walking into the after party, all just decked out, like going clubbing type of deal. (laughs) Like the camera pans behind them. And behind him is Jason in Chiefs overalls and a luchador mask, like walking into the same club. I'm like, dude, every I would follow Jason into battle any day of the week. <laughs>
0: like, oh, absolutely. <laughs> that dude just looks like he's having fun everywhere. I and mean, all due respect, I mean, whether it was annoying or what or whatnot, I mean, all of that fervor can really distract a player, let alone a team. Yeah. Uh, and dude, they balled out. Like, you know, both do of them you think do about about all year. What do, you, what do you think about the entertainment versus competition aspect of it?
2: Man, it would seem
0: well, the, that like the conspiracy that's that's arise around the NFL. Yeah, the
2: whole rigged deal. Like, there's all yeah. kinds of videos going on now that with the with that botched punt.
0: Well, and, the botched punt, and then there was a second down that was like a second and eight, second and seven should have been. And then it was rewarded a first down,
2: and they moved it to first. And I think what I, I think that had self corrected a couple minutes later because the the TV guys had it written on the screen wrong. So like it wasn't oh, okay. like on the sticks they had it correct, but it was it was wrong on the broadcast. And so that gotcha. was what okay. everybody got because it was actually like a second and two or second and three, and they hadn't changed yeah. the yardage. So then he actually did get it or whatever. But it was but yeah, there's all kinds where. I was just talking to a couple of guys about this. I don't want to say that it's impossible, but the only real way that it makes sense is to have the refs involved and to have them involved to a degree where something can actually happen would have to be like the exact right scenario for them to then get involved without making it obvious what they're doing. You know what I mean? Like there's just so many things that would have to happen that I just find it hard to believe that it can
0: be that organized well here's here's a conspiracy that i heard okay so the nfl as an entity yeah cannot bet cannot bet on football right they cannot sway the games control the games right but if the nfl were to create a secondary entity yeah as like as like a holding house for money yeah they could then bet on games and leverage those games, or get a little more uh, nefarious. Yeah, these refs could be approached by a fish in the betting world and be like, "Look, man, I got thirty-five grand riding on this game, and it's, it's set to pocket me two hundred grand if I do this. I'll yeah. give you 50. Yep. You know, and yep. those refs make pretty good money, but dude, fifty grand. I mean, we talked about it um, in, in regards to steroids. I mean, the difference in a in a player that hits twelve home runs a year and a guy that hits twenty is about four million dollars a year. Yeah, you know. So, what does it come to if every game a referee is hit with a all "Hey, right. man, I'm going to give you ten ten grand or twenty grand or thirty grand, whatever it is"? And you look at the statistics because that's the crazy thing about all this data and AI and the tracking and stuff now is that you can look at these referees. Um, statistically, in certain situations, how many uh, holding calls they call in the first quarter versus the fourth. There was how a many- dude in the
2: AFC Championship game, there's a ref that they literally said in the thing, like, this guy never calls holding penalties against the Chiefs when he refs their games. Yeah. Like, that was his I stat in the
1: game. <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah. So it's, uh, I mean, there's a lot of moving parts and there's a lot of money on the line. So I, I nothing, don't know. W-
2: I'll but- say this nothing would surprise me. If something were to come out and say this has all been to some point, like I'd be like, okay, well, that sucks, and I didn't think it could be that way, but I wouldn't be surprised. But like nothing like that would surprise me anymore. You know what I mean? Dude,
0: nothing surprises me anymore. Yeah. If they said half the football teams were aliens, like yeah. <laughs> it probably surprise me <laughs> at this point. I saw. Um, I just
2: saw this. Get this. There is a crazy amount of like some of the most freak athletes in the league that are polish descent sebastian janikowski janikowski rob gronkowski even (laughs) the kelseys the kelseys is a polish descent name like all Roman, bill romanowski like there's all these uh there's all it's it's a huge percentage and uh there's i can't even remember who it was that i was following but they were talking about like we need to shut down the polls until we can figure out what's going on in that country and how they're producing these monsters. <laughs>
0: like. Well, I tell, I'll tell you this is a reference. So, do you remember Konstantin Konstantinovs, the deadlifter? Big. I mean, he was a Russian powerlifter. Yeah. Um, from Lat- from Latvia, but he still considered himself Russian. Yeah. Uh, Latvia, I met him in Latvia, by the way, at City Diner. It was, it's a now closed restaurant and a now deceased human, but he was phenomenal and one of the strongest dudes ever to live uh, very into poetry, very into classical music. And like when he would send me music, it was like Russian symphony, you know? So here's like this absolute savage special forces security guard. Like, I mean, he's a bad dude, but I asked him one time, I said, man, what makes you so great at the deadlift? And he looked at me and he had, I mean, he had one of the most boomingly bass, deep voices ever. And he said, Brandon. When you live here, he said, "Deadlift is easy because life is hard," and I'll <laughs> never forget that. And it That's was like, awesome. But it was like, this is his gift to get out of that. Like, if yeah. he can just be a, if he can be a, a national level sportsman, you're yeah. you're pretty well respected and taken care of, you yeah. know. And it was like, this is easier than life here, and I think that has to be something to it. I mean, you look at the the centuries of Polish. History, yep. and I mean they've always had to fight someone always, and they've really fought pretty hard to have their own designation as a, as a nation rather than getting picked up by the Germans or the Russians or whoever. I mean it's yeah. a it's a pretty pretty tough group of people when you really start looking at what they've lived through and what I mean not the daily life over there now is terrible, but right. all of the Polish people that I've ever known were just they just seem to have a different view on life in a, in a positive way. Yeah, like, for sure. Life is hard. Living is hard. Don't bitch about it and just keep going. That's, I mean, if I could sum That's it up so in a good. few words, that would be it, you know? That's and so I, I think that has to, it has to have something to do with it, you know?
2: Totally. I mean, it's just,
0: it's the same reason as why Samoans are just dominant at rugby. Yeah. You know, they're just, they're just built different. They're a warrior community. And I mean, rugby is war at some level, you know. Yeah. And I just think they're awesome. But uh do you follow I mean I know you follow baseball a lot. Do you follow any basketball at all?
2: Not much anymore. Any, I NBA I I really haven't since man, it was probably like high school college days. It was Kobe days for me. It was like the last I was really yeah. the last I was really following stuff with that. I mean like I know what's going on for the most part with some of the some of the um some of the teams that are good now and some of the guys I, I really like, I mean, there's still guys that I like that are playing in the league and stuff. Um, but it reminded me of this conversation because like with Jokic, with Nikola Jokic, oh, yeah, he yeah. has, he has like this uh, idea that, or this not idea, but this facade that he has where it's like, he doesn't look like he actually cares about anything that he's doing in the NBA. Even when <laughs> he won, like even when he won the championship and he's just like in a party and he's just like bouncing with no expression on his face. Uh, but they were talking about, I was listening to somebody talking about, um, how like none of this is that big for him. And, and even the same with Enos Cantor, like these guys that come from these just war torn countries and they come here and it's like, they just don't have the same reaction to the same stuff. And the things that are problems for the guys in the NBA that are big deals, they're like, are you guys kidding me? Like, yeah, I've been dodging like missile fire and protecting my family since I was four years old, like, like I've been the none man of, house
0: since I was four.
2: Yeah, none of this is a big deal at all. You know, like yeah. they're just kind of not not deaf to it, but just like doesn't matter to them at all.
0: Yeah, well, it's it's very very interesting to me because I've you know I lifted with some Russians, I lifted with some Latvians, Ukrainians, and I, I mean I've been around the world lifting, and uh, I spent some time in Moscow insane place um never never felt in danger but never felt safe yeah you know Um, yeah so when i was there i got to see their culture and dude you immediately understand there's just there's a complete lack of uh, there's a lot of bullshit there but like they're just stoic they don't they don't put up with the the little jokes like we do they're either belly laughing because something's really funny or they're like deadly serious. There's no in between. Yep,
1: exactly. And
0: uh, I don't know, but I guess to spin on that, I was reading, uh, or I listened to this coach from Maryland, and he said he had a kid come in that was a third string quarterback and demand $100,000 for the NIL money. And he said, where does this number come from and for what? You're Mm. like the third string QB, you know? But he was like, that is what I deal with more now. Yeah, He's like, I've got a, I've got a divisional championship coming up. We're, we've won seven games. We're going to a bowl. And 90% of my work is revolved around this player needs this. This player wants that. This yeah. player has to get this to stay. And, um, I actually saw Dion Sanders who is like, not, I won't even say the abuser. I will say like the, the guy that figured out how to win the NIL yeah. is actually saying it's ruining football. Yeah. You know, like, which i
2: you know, well, what's the guy, the the, 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 the call, co- was it the college coach? Um, Jeff Kelly. No, 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 no. It was, it was just this a couple days ago. It was like a small college. Well, I guess not small. Um, some wasn't, Mar- wasn't Maryland. Anyways, the, the guy said, uh, the head coach is like, I, I'm going to have to leave because I just had a running back come in and say, I need a hundred thousand dollars or I'm hitting the portal. And he's like, yeah, he's like, we won seven games. Like we won six games or something like that. He's like, I don't know where are you thinking this money's coming from? Like not everybody's right. going to get this and not everybody's worth that. Even if you are in the portal to go somewhere else, he's like, I, this is not something I can, I know how to handle. He's like, I might just have yeah. to be done because I, if I have a, a second string running back asking for a hundred thousand dollars, like I'm in the wrong yeah. business, you know?
0: Yeah. Well, and it is because those guys and listen, you you gotta understand their mentality. I worked in Division One, SEC college football. Like all of those guys are a once-in-a-lifetime talent somewhere. Like yeah. at the right school, they're gonna be the man. Um, but in an SEC school, they're gonna be third string or red shirted or whatever. So I understand the desire to go elsewhere to play, but it really bastardizes the college model to like a degree that it's not even recognizable anymore. It's no longer yeah. college because College is the it's just minor leagues.
2: That's all it is. It's just minor leagues in the NFL.
0: But what killed me, and this goes back to when Kentucky hired Calipari. That's coming off of Tino and Tubby Smith, but going back before that, like Kentucky was known for recruiting. They would have three or four kids from Kentucky on the on the court, and they'd have two or three kids that were national like level stars. And then that was it. Like we were, you could bet that if you watch Indiana basketball, you're gonna see three or four players from Indiana on that floor. Yeah. So on and so forth. And not everybody's made for their home state, but man, it is just it starts so young now. Like there's a grooming process through the AAU ball and the travel leagues and all that for stuff. Sure. The I just think the NBA needs to expand that D and G league a little further. And if you wanna if you wanna go to the NBA. At 18, yeah. and you're not really made for college, just go to the G League. Yep. You know, you're going to make a little money, but you're not going to steal a scholarship from somebody that actually wants to play. Right. And I heard somebody say something along the lines of, well, if you take all the major talent to the NBA without going to college, what's that going to do to the game? And I said, well, at the highest level, if it was parallel to the best level of women's basketball, and I mean fundamental shooting, passing, right. defense, those kind of things, I'm not going to be mad at it. But if it's like, you know, I don't think it's going to go back to a, you know, a Providence drill, you know, for every team in the country. Like it's going to yeah. be five white guys with ball high shorts, you know, doing Bob Cousy running floaters. You know, it's not going to be that league. I just think that if you get the kids that don't even want to be there to begin with out of the picture, you really get something special again. But yeah, dude, I'm really, I'm really, really sad about. College basketball and college football because those two things were amazing.
2: They just they've just I mean they've become the minor leagues. That's all. It's it's yeah. free minor leagues for the NFL basically because they don't pay anything for it. No, <laughs> you know. So yeah. I had so uh, we do stats around here. We like to do a little yeah. stats. So I got one for you because of the whole Mahomes Brady conversation that everybody's having right now. Yep. And uh, this is ridiculous, just in terms of how stupidly good Tom Brady was over the course of 23 years or however long it was. So get this. This is the current gap in stats between the two, okay? Mm-hmm. There's 60,730 yard gap, 430 touchdowns, 155 wins, 18 playoff wins and four Super Bowls. That's the difference between the two right now. So Mahomes would have to be better in his 30s than he has been in his twenties because if he doubled what he has done, it still wouldn't be enough to beat those numbers.
0: I don't I don't see that is they wild. Have, they do have the talent in Kansas City, but I think they're gonna lose some O linemen. I think they're gonna lose Kelsey. I, I I don't know that it's gonna be a rebuild, but I definitely think there's gonna be like this ain't what it was you know, a year or two ago. Well, and this
2: was like the worst version of them of all these right. Super Bowls. This team.
0: Yeah. Well, and I mean, what do you make of like? Okay, so let's say Belichick, right? So you've got him, and after Brady left, after kind of like that went away, um, Belichick like kind of lost some of his fire. Yeah. You know, um, he can't not get a job known, now. <laughs> <laughs> Why do you think that is? Like, do you think it's that he's just a miserable, like, impossible to deal with guy?
2: With the Atlanta situation, I think that's a different deal than Atlanta.
0: You, you got to be something different in Atlanta. Like, yeah, Belichick uh, ain't Atlanta.
2: No, not at all. That's, and, the, that's the dirty bird. But I don't know how many other players because his whole deal was he wants to come in and be GM, also like run the team yeah. and coach it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I don't yeah. know that many, there's not many that would, from an owner standpoint, that would do that, you know? So that's one thing, right. but also I think, like you said, he did lose a little bit of juice once, especially once Tom won the one in Tampa and then yeah. everybody's like, Oh, this might've been mostly Tom for a long time. <laughs> you
0: know what I mean? Well, all right. Let's spin that around. Like, how do you play that out with Phil Jackson? Like that's another legendary yeah. coach. And his book, is, his book is incredible. Yeah. Um, the 11 rings or whatever. Yep. Um, and and I loved it because it felt like by the end of it, I, you got to really imagine who Phil Jackson is. But, you know, he went to the Lakers and won with Kobe. And, I mean, if there was ever a, a Michael 2.0, it yeah. was Kobe 1.0. Yeah. Um, do you think that Phil Jackson – well, where did he go? He went to the Knicks and couldn't win.
2: Well, he, you know? he, he came in – he didn't coach, though. Did he, or he was just he, president he of operations, bit. or something like that? I thought he coached the
0: Knicks for a minute. I thought maybe he coached he the Knicks for a couple, maybe couple of years. Maybe it was president. No, after the after the Lakers, he was president out there. I think.
2: Yeah. I don't. He's Dude, a. He got, I think basketball's he so the, much different, though, in that regard. Yeah. Than being yeah. able to compare that to a, Be- a Belichick or something like that. It's just such a different style of management. You know? Yeah. Because well, I don't know. I don't know how much. Too. I don't know how much actual. Like, I'm sure there's coaching that happens, but in the NBA, you're literally just managing guys, you know, <laughs> like keep them functioning on the floor together where they don't fight and hate each other because there's yeah. only five of them. And it's like, if you can keep them working together together and in, and enjoying it then like if you're if you're good if they're good dudes then they're going to be a good team you know what i mean
0: like <laughs> there's a guy that uh there's a there's a guy on instagram i cannot remember his page but sometimes when i'm flipping through those little those reels from like the 80s and 90s basketball yeah this guy's this guy's reels will pop in it and he is like he loves michael jordan so much but he does it as a troll account against jordan as like a lebron fan <laughs> So he's like, man, I'm watching the Chicago Bulls. Every time Jackson does this, it just means give Jordan the ball. Watch this, Jordan, get the ball. Jordan, get the ball. He's like, that triangle ain't nothing but give it to Jordan and pass it off. You know, just give it to Jordan. Give it to Jordan. Give it to Jordan. That's he's so like, I could out-coach Phil Jackson.
2: Exactly. So, like, think about the guys that he had on those teams. Like, how many, dude, of, the, the, how many of the top 20 best players ever did Phil Jackson coach? Like, half of them. And they were on those th- well, at least. And not only
0: that, like, so if you look at Phil Jackson's tenure with Jordan, post Jordan, so you got Jordan Pippen and like Jordan's even saying, Oh shit. I thought Scotty was my wingman. Now he's the second best player in the league, if not better than me, <laughs> you know, that was after the 92 Olympics. Cause he went over to Barcelona and balled out Pippen did. But um, some of the stories from that are amazing. Like that dream team. Over there, like some of the the practices, those
2: are the best stories.
0: Yeah. And then Jordan playing golf, uh, two rounds of 18 and then going in and dropping like 43 on some kid that looked at him wrong. (laughs) (laughs) I took
2: that personally.
0: Yeah. And I took that personally, (laughs) but I love that one yesterday that I shared of Kobe, where he's like, this guy on my team comes over and he's like, listen, listen up, uh, young blood. He's like, whatever you do, don't, don't look Jordan in the eyes. He's like, what? What he's like? You don't know who I am. He's like he can't look me in the eye either, buddy. You know, and like you got to respect that because like I loved both of those guys because yeah. they were just they were different. They're yep. the, them and Iverson are probably like my era watching <laughs> yeah, basketball, my favorite because they're they're three different styles, but all of well, Jordan and Kobe are kind of like pretty similar, the same, style. But, but different too. Yeah, and then Iverson was just. He was like an hand one mixtape in the NBA. Right. Do Dude you remember? I think – I
2: can't remember if it was you, well, something you shared, but it's that story from the – would have been 08. 08 Olympics. Um, 08 or 12. Maybe it was London. I don't remember. I, maybe it was 08. Um, but the story when – first play of the game when U.S. is playing Spain, which is Pau Gasol. And, right, right. Uh, first play of the game, Kobe goes over to every – like LeBron and D-Wade and Chris Bosh, and he goes – uh, just so you guys know, first play of the game, I know exactly what they're going to run. Powell's going to be the second screen coming up on me. I'm going to run through his chest. And they're like, yeah. all right, yeah, whatever, man. He's your teammate. He's your brother. You're not going to do that. And he, Kobe just freaking lays him out, like drops his shoulder into his sternum, like knocks him <laughs> yeah. clean back on his butt, like slides back. And then everybody goes, and then he, and it clips shows a clip to LeBron. He goes, and then everybody just looked at each other. We're like,
1: oh,
0: yeah, yeah, we're not
2: yeah, we're not losing to Spain. <laughs> like,
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, that's when they had, uh, what was his name? Uh, was it Rubio? Was that, was that the point guard? What was his name? Was yeah, Marco yeah, was yeah, Spain, yeah, Marco Rubio. Was he Spain or was he, was he Spain? Portugal. 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 He might have been Portugal. Yeah, one of the two. But it was, seemed like, for some reason, I was thinking he was of Spain. But, he could have um, been.
2: Could have been. But yeah, that's But that's, either
0: way. Yeah, they were unbelievable. <laughs> oh, who was Ginobili? Where did he play? Did he play for Spain? The man who was, yes. He was Spanish, I believe. Okay, so that was mm-hmm. – it was Manu and Gasol. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Ginobili there for a time, dude. He was like – I mean, he was as fresh as they come, man. Yeah. Him, uh, Tim Duncan, like that was a crew right there. Dude, he
2: had a hilarious – there was a clip of him at a Spurs game a couple of weeks ago sitting in the stands watching. and He's just wearing like jeans or whatever, and it's like nine fifteen at tip-off. Or whatever, and he go, or and his he had a tweet that he had tweeted during the game, and he's like, "I am so tired. I cannot believe we used to start games at nine thirty or something like that." I'm like, <laughs> "Dude, just sound like an old dad nowadays." Like, I get it. I man. Do.
0: He sounds. He sounds like a guy that's got twenty million in the bank and sleeps pretty well to me. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know. You're funny, man. Oh man. Well, dude, I'm in a hellacious traffic jam here. It looks like I was going to
2: say, I thought you were parked. You haven't even been moving for a few minutes now.
0: Nah, no, I, uh, full discretion. I just pissed in a bottle. That's how, that's how <laughs> s- dead stop traffic is. Did it without you even knowing it. But, uh, yeah, dude, it's, uh, it's dead stop. I think it's a fatality, honestly. They got three records and I've seen about seven cops come by. So, Eesh. yeah, there was a, I guess it was a drug bus just on the other side. There was five cars behind one pulled over, five cops behind one pulled over. So, Either there was dead bodies in the trunk or a half an ounce of marijuana. I don't know. I don't know which it is. <laughs> same
2: response. <laughs>
0: same response. These are hardened crimi- criminals out here in, this, in these streets. Uh, but uh, awesome. anyway, I, I think that's about wrapped it up. We're right yeah. in an hour on so. that.
2: On that positive note, let's uh, let's call it there.
0: <laughs> Empty bladders and roadblocks. You know what I mean. That's the. That's the name of my memoir. That's going to be the name of this episode.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Uh,
2: All right, guys, go into the giveaway. We appreciate all of you listening and following along, and uh, we'll do this again next week. Thank you
0: all. Absolutely. Thank you, guys.